Welcome. Hi, I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Hey everyone, it's Mickey here. You're listening to Wikipedia, and this week on the podcast, I speak to Australian naturopath and sports nutritionist Kira Sutherland, all about nutrition for teenagers. Such a great conversation. Kira and I talk about some of the misconceptions that parents and coaches might have around the importance of sports nutrition for kids of this age, and we also discuss somatypes so that's kind of body type and body shape and how this might play into the expectations of parents and kids for their performance goals blood biomarkers and what this might tell us about health and performance we talk practical tips as to how to help kids meet their nutrition goals when their busy lives leave them with little time to think about what to eat and of course talk about foods and fussy children and Kira really shares a lot of her knowledge, which was really cool. And we just have such a great conversation because she's such a neat person. So Kira Sutherland is an Australian naturopath and sports nutritionist with more than 25 years in clinical practice. Her focus in performance nutrition led her to be the first naturopath in Australia to undertake the International Olympic Committee's Diploma in Sports Nutrition. She is also the 2019 winner of the Bioceuticals Integrative Medicine Award for Excellence in Practice, Nutrition Dietetics. Kira divides her time between clinical practice, university lecturing, speaking at conferences around the world, and mentoring practitioners of complementary medicine in the application of holistic sports nutrition. And in her free time, she competes in endurance sport and skis with her family as much as possible. I will put links to Kira in the show notes, and you can catch her online at kerasutherland.com.au or over on Instagram and Facebook at uberhealth. That's uber as in U-B-E-R, health. Kira had it first, by the way. Uh, and um, she shares so much great information over there. And just to add a little side note, Kira is very good friends with Lara Bryden and they do a lot of joint events together, which is um, is super cool. It just goes to show just the caliber of um, of her work. She's, she's amazing, Kira, and I think you're really going to love this conversation. Just a reminder though, before we crack on into it, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast listening platform. That increases the visibility of the podcast out there in amongst the literally thousands of other podcasts. So more people get the opportunity to learn from the guests that I have on the show, like Kira. All right, team, enjoy the conversation that I have with Kira Sutherland. Kira, thank you so much for taking time to speak to me this afternoon. Um, wealth of information, very good friend of my friend Lara, and I think that we're going to have such a great conversation about sports nutrition, teen athletes, and you know how you approach different topics. And of course, as I said to you, we've got those bullet points down. Um, you're based in Sydney, uh, sports nutritionist, naturopath. Yes, and you've 
what, been a practitioner for 28 years? Yeah. yeah. So, so I've been a naturopath and nutritionist for 28 years. So I don't come from the dietetics background. I came, I'm a bachelor of health science and then natural medicine. So I come from that natural medicine side. And then I did post-grad study with I, International Olympic Committee doing sports nutrition and um yeah, 28 years of clinical practice. I think we're on now. I, you almost want to say 30 and then I'm a little bit like, oh God, that sounds really old too. I'll just keep it at 28 for a while. No, I love it. And, um, you know, what about your own sort of experience in sports? And I mean, I understand you're, a, you know, you've, you're also a lifelong athlete. Is that how you found yourself in the sports nutrition space? Yeah. So I always, I did every sport under the sun growing up. I was, you know, one of those really sporty girls at school. And then um, when I graduated as a naturopath, nutritionist, both, both degrees, um, I was, my clinic was inside of a gym. And so that just suited me fine. And, you know, you end up knowing everybody working there and then they all your, you know, all the PTs refer all their clients to you. And then I got back in. I'd had a bit of a stress. What was going on? I was just really stressed in life. And I started, I became like a Forrest Gump for a while. I started like running and running and and more than normal, more than I used to. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, it's time to do marathons. And then half my clients were triathletes and like, it's time to do an Ironman. And I was like, no, no. And yeah, so I got, I, you know, got the bug, fell in love with ultra long distance events and that really was where it started. The sports nutrition started marrying up with with um, me as a practitioner. And that's, yeah, that's years ago now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay, so this is a slight tangent and not really related to teenage um, athletes, but I'm really interested to know what your thoughts are. So me and um, one of my colleagues and one of my besties, Karen Zinn, and you might be familiar. Yeah, yeah. I know who she is. I've yeah. never met her, but I know who she is. Yeah, oh, you would love her. Um, you know, we would go to our nutrition and, and sort of dietetics conferences and, and um, you know, the sports nutrition guidelines would, you know, would be up there for, you know, what we should be feeding our athletes at sort of, you know, um, different sort of tiers of activity if you like and it almost felt like in amongst the practitioners it was almost this unspoken thing that that's what the guidelines were we never recommended our clients follow to the to that extreme like is that just some sort of kiwi thing or what what? no no but I can't speak for the dietitians in Australia by any means because that's not really my community but I do know I have a lot of friends who are dietitians yeah I mean there's the guy you know it, it, the way I teach students to, there's the guidelines, but they're not rules. And there's a big difference. And I think we get that stuck in our head of, oh my God, that's the rules. But I, I definitely, maybe because I came from more of an alternative background to begin with, I'm was always willing to kind of have a play with, hey, that might be a guideline, but that doesn't seem to fit what everybody's needing. So let's Let's go outside of those. Let's play outside of those rules a little bit and see what happens. Yeah, I definitely feel like that. Yeah, yeah. And I love the way that you said that. And it's, a, you know, even if you look at the literature in and around, and carbs are a great example, like they've these guidelines for what, you know, endurance athletes should eat, yet habitually athletes are always falling short like, oh, yeah. like if you look at like I think Burke had some studies she did like maybe even 15 years ago now and you know the elite of the elite were eating maybe five to seven grams per kg yet 
they were in the category that would sort of have them eat, you know. Eight to 12. Yeah, yeah. eight to 12, you know. And, and yeah. how much would have eaten more? How much would have that sort of improved their sort of performance and recovery? Or would eating that then have sort of left other nutrients falling short, which is where I always come at from that opportunity cost. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, what? again, it's getting a lot better in the last decade, but who was that research done on? And I know you lecture on this and talk about this. And is that research based on male, female combined, or was that mainly on male? If you look at the history of, you know, this one of my favorite areas, history of male testing rather than female. And and I'm always, and then I'm a big fan of looking at body types. And I know, you know, there's not enormous research, but I definitely, like, I'm almost five foot 10 and I'm built like a Viking, you know, I could have been a great shield maiden, right? I'm not <laughs> your typical little tiny aerobics instructor build. And yeah. you go through your years of clinical practice and it's like, my body type deals with macros differently to other body types or, or, you know, I might put on weight more easily than the other body types, but I can put on muscle really easy. And I just kind of, I've always got that in my background, that individuality of everybody and yeah, guidelines are amazing that they're there and we have that research, but I think we always, yeah, need to edit that for what's working for us. If I followed some of those guidelines, I would probably be 10 kilos overweight. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. My husband, who's a, a, a very fast endurance athlete, age grouper, but kind of could have been pro, but probably would have never gone anywhere. So he decided to have a regular career. You know, he fits perfectly in those guidelines. He's like your beautiful 72 kilo, five foot nine male that just fits all those guidelines perfect. Right? Yeah. And I can see it with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know, it's interesting. Like, so a couple of things on that. I'm, I'm fascinated by the body type, um, uh, sort of information and literature. And I think that you're right. There isn't, or to my understanding, there's not a lot of scientific basis for it, but it doesn't, uh, mean that we can dismiss just the lived experience and what you see in your clients and how that sort of looks. And, and I know that, and I actually wanted to talk to you about it in relation to our topic today, sort of teenage sports nutrition, but I would actually, if you, if you don't mind, can we just have a little chat about, about that body type stuff? So, so can you just sort of outline the different uh, sort of, I guess, uh, body types, if you like, and how would that impact on our requirements? Yeah, well, in, I mean, in science, I mean, we can study it. There, There is, you know, the, a breakdown of it, but it's kind of theory. I mean, even when you're reading the research on it, they're like, there's these theories, and we're not sure if these theories are correct or not. But in general, we break body types down to mesomorph, ectomorph, and endomorph, um, if we're going into the science of it. But then a lot of people actually take those, and you got to look at, we're not like you, we're not all a pure one body type or a combination of them. And some people are kind of an endo ecto or, you know, you've got your differences between them. And, um, oh my gosh, what can I say about them? They are, I just find it fascinating to look at the theories of, um, how, different body types respond to different types of training or they respond to different levels of macronutrients and how some body types thrive on, you know, really high amounts of protein all the time versus other body types hypothetically have 
slower, longer digestive systems that can actually absorb their macronutrients better. And so they can utilize um, macros probably more efficiently because their digestion's slower. And again, how are we ever going to clinically trial this? We're not. Like it's, it's, that's, I just think there's so much, I love science, I love the research, but there's so much we can't do in a scientific model to understand what's going on with people. I th so that's where, you know, I have that two sides to me of what I see versus what you learn. Yeah, and I love that. And it's, you know, it's it's still evidence, like anecdotal stories is still evidence for or against a particular way of sort of, I don't know, approaching a situation or problem solving and, and things like that is how I sort of think about it as well. Yeah, so I, I look at a, a lot of, yeah, I just kind of assess whether, yeah, assessing, you know, I read a book, let me back up. I read a book 25, 30 years ago, which is, again, going to not be very scientific, but on Ayurvedic medicine. And Ayurveda goes into body types. Yes. Ayurveda goes into, you know, and, and we seem comfortable looking at those. And again, I'm, maybe I'm not going very sciencey here for you, but um, Ayurvedic body types, there's Vata, Pitta, and Kapha, and they line up perfectly with ecto, endo, and meso. They like literally line up. Well, almost perfectly. And I read this whole book that looked at, and so maybe this is where my brain went with it and why I've always looked at it. It was talking about when you look at, especially children or teens, because I will flip into this topic, you know, we, when we, it was talking about you know, you got your tall, really skinny, bony, or really tiny, ti like tiny bony people, which is a Vata body type, um, like little bird-like body built. Um, we have, um, oh my gosh, we where was this book going? It, it was just about, you know, we have our power sports build, we have our more endurance build, we have our more... Um, you know, uh, fast twitch fiber builds for sprinting. And it was talking about with children, how a lot of times it was an American book talking about how we assess kids sports ability. Um, but it's really only for the fast twitch kind of sprinting kids and aerobic endurancey kind of kids. Whereas our strength kids get told to run in America, you have to run a mile by a certain speed. And his, this whole book was by a guy named Dr. John Dilliard. And it was, a, it was called body, body, mind sport. And it, and it was the first time I ever, you know, got introduced to the idea that we are trying to assess everybody under one model and, and then we're wondering why these kids fail and they're not motivated in sport. He's like, but if you put them in power sport, you put them into baseball or cricket, if you're in Southern hemisphere or, you know, shot put or, you know, javelin or just strength sports, lifting weights, this other body type is going to excel. And, and we don't use that assessment with kids you know we make them all do the same sports and then wonder why these kids drop out of sport because they feel so bad about it because they're not going to run their however many kilometers at a certain speed if they're a power body build and and so it was all about steering kids into sport that's going to fit their body type so they can excel so they can all feel amazing and actually achieve because who doesn't want to achieve yeah totally um, especially in those young years where ego's getting you know how they feel about themselves and their body is going to get created it's like um like i'm almost 5 foot 10 so i have a daughter and 
I know she's not going to be five foot two. Like I just, you know, that's genetic, you know, known. So it's like, okay, you want to do gymnastics when you're a little girl. That's great. Let's do gymnastics. But then let's, cause you know, we're not going to stop her, but gymnastics or ballet, like every little girl, not every little girl, but lots of little girls want to do ballet. So she did ballet for a year or two. And I'm like, well, let's move to kind of modern or hip hop or like, I'm not going to let her stay in I don't want her to get her heart set on something that she's going to have the absolute incorrect body type for, because that's where it leads down the road of uh, low energy availability or yep. eating disorders or, you know. Yeah. She's so, trying to fit a mold that she just that's not gonna genetically is not going to, yeah, gonna, yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like, let's play basketball. Let's do, you know. And so that book really, you know, it's a layman's book, but it rocked my world, that book in looking at how to make people feel good about their body type and their strengths rather than us all fitting into the same mold. And it must be the same nutritionally, not just body types, right? Oh, totally. Like, yeah. 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 So don't go on too many topics there. No, 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 no. It was great. And I loved how you um, sort of integrated that with Ayurvedic. You know, I've always been fascinated by that whole sort of um, – uh, a whole different way of thinking about nutrition. Like we got one class in that in my third year at university, and that was, um, and and I thought, gosh, this is really interesting. But we very quickly moved on to something to something else. Um, yeah, yeah. I did Ayurveda for a whole year. I went after I had graduated. I went and did a, another year of study in that, just because I wanted to look at how we even look at different body types and giving them different foods and, you know, people that are very cold in nature versus hot and what we need differently. And I think, yeah. And again, it's not science, but those theories have been there for thousands of years and it's fascinating to look at everybody's differences. Totally. You know? And do you bring that into some of your practice as well, Kira? Like it, it, if, if it's not like uh, sort of front and center, I imagine it would still be in your mind it's as you're talking to someone. always in the back of my mind. Yeah, always. Yeah. I think... I think over the years, there's just so many layers of what you go and you're interested in and you study um, that come into play in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I verbally talk about it all the time, but I do with teenagers. I will talk body types with teenagers because I think especially more, you know, most teenage boys that show up want to put on muscle, right? Like I don't, I don't tend to have a lot of weight loss teenage boys. Maybe that's just my area of what I'm working in. Um, but again, all the teenage female athletes that show up, you know, there's all, you know, there's always that stress over is their body shape and, you know, is their size right now working for their sport or not, especially as they hit menstrual age or a couple years into menstrual age and, we talk body type all the time because I think it empowers them rather than them trying to jam themselves that, you know, into one hole that doesn't, you know, square square peg in a round hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Um, so on that then, Kira, as we sort of shift into that teenage sports nutrition conversation, like what are some of the challenges that you see teenagers for in your practice or their parents have when trying to balance that sort of sport, school, social, parents' expectations, their expectations, all of that? Big challenges, yeah. You know, making sure they're having a menstrual cycle. If, if you're dealing with females, making sure that's actually happening and they're eating enough and not falling into that low energy availability. Um, what are the challenges? Enough time to eat or yes. enough time, you know, pre-training eating habits. 
post-training eating habits or lack of, I think that's, you know, the challenge is, yeah. See, so because I, when when I chat to teenagers, it's the, the pattern I see quite a bit is that they are, they are, balance like oftentimes those who are excelling in sport it's not the only thing they're doing they're excelling in music and or in sort of theater or something like that so the extracurricular time is pulled both in the morning and post school and they're not getting home till late they're having an up and go in between sport practice um and they're starving and grabbing a pie at the you know like it's all of those things like yeah And it's funny, you know, when you study sports nutrition, there's whole chapters or lectures they do on like the traveling athlete and talking about, you know, food logistics. And I'm always like, you know, adults are pretty good at figuring out their food logistics. But I you really see where that comes into play with those teenagers. A, they have that limited range of what they want to eat. Um, there's also that food groups that the parents don't want them to eat that they do want to eat. There's always that. I think that's a logistic is that compromise between what all their friends are eating versus what you're trying to get them to eat. But yeah, I find the timing and lack of time really the biggest logistic of what are you going to eat while you're in the car or, you know, how important is, you know, for recovery eating, I'm, you know, as probably every sports nutritionist is, I'm, so vicious about eating windows after training so that they can train twice a day and not feel terrible. And yeah, I think that's probably one of my biggest, biggest hurdles. But I also find teenagers, we underrate them and we underrate their desire to learn because I find as soon as you get them hooked, they want to, you know, they want to know everything, even though they don't want to know it from their parents. Yes. Oh, such a good call. And also, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I chat to a lot who have gotten as far as they've gotten almost on natural ability and skill alone. And um, the conversation that we often have is, you know, like when you get to this certain point, like you're amazing at what you do. And to get to that next level is going to require more input. So, you know, it does matter what you eat and when you eat and and being organized around that. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I just don't find they take a lot of convincing. I think maybe once they've gotten convinced to come see you and they realize you're not some you know, weird, well, I probably am weird, but um, <laughs> once they realize you're okay and you have their channel, you yeah. know, you're not talking to them like they're a little kid, you're talking to them like an adult or a late teen and um, you give them credit for how much they know. I find once you get that door open, they're so hungry for that information. And they're probably some of the best clients at making change because they see so quickly the difference because often, you know, they're, you know, vastly under hydrating. And so, you know, you get the hydration right and they feel amazing or just eating after training because they, they don't, they, you know, get out of the pool and then it's two hours before they get to breakfast. And you're like, I'm going to make you feel so much better, like so much better. And they, you know, I find them a very motivated group. I think they get dismissed as being unmotivated and I I disagree. That's awesome. And what mm. about coaches, Kira? Like how bought into the process are coaches in your experience? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of my teens come from coach referrals. So that's, you know, if it's come from there, it's really easy. Um 
being a naturopath nutritionist rather than a dietitian, I'm not in Australia that the team sports is really that's dietetics that really has that area. So I'm not actually dealing with as many coaches as probably a lot of other sports nutritionists, but I don't, I don't tend to have problems if I, yeah, send something through and just say, can you let them have a break here or please let them drink. The, probably the hardest one is swim coaches, letting them drink something before the next set happens, right? They're like, I don't have any time to drink. They, you know, I'm like, surely if you ask them, they will let <laughs> you take a five seconds to drink from your water bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And but no, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. Do you have troubles getting coaches on board? Well, you just hear a lot of, um, a lot of stories from athletes, or their parents that the coaches like just dismiss nutrition out of hand. Like it's not an important piece of the puzzle. However, this is like different to you. Like, because if I was only ever dealing with um, sort of a single um, sort of individual sports, I don't think that that would be the case. And I certainly haven't had that from that sort of avenue, but it's much more in that. It's interesting in that sort of team-based sports, it's not uncommon I'm, I'm not saying it happens all of the time but it's not uncommon for nutrition to sort of be a bit dismissed actually yeah I know I now that you said that I can see it and I do work with team athletes but they're the ones that seek me out individually like as a as a naturopath I often get the people who also need they're having immune system issues or they're having something else that they're seeking you know external support so um yeah yeah I've heard some funny stories from coaches about coaches. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so Kira, what are some of your tips then to like, cause I mean, I guess parents are, a, a, they're not in between a rock and a hard place. So obviously the team is on board, which is great and timing and the priority prioritizing, I'm sorry, the sort of time it might take to prepare food is, is obviously a, a necessary part of this process. What kind of tips and tricks do you give your parents to help them sort of navigate that? Look, I think sometimes with parents, it's also discussing um, perfect nutrition because sometimes I get these parents who are more obsessed with, you know, perfect eating than the teenager is. And you go, I'm, um, I, I do have to have that chat and that compromise with the parent and the teen and the teens. Yeah, that's always interesting. Not trying to undermine the parent either, but finding that level. Tips and tricks. I'm a huge fan of really healthy packaged bars, like healthy bars or great biltong or like convenience foods. I've got a basket full of convenience foods to show them to try different, you know, whether it's collagen bar or, you know, just good ratio bars for different times of the day. So I'm a big bars doing smoothies. We talk a lot about, you know, prepping everything and putting everything in the freezer half already done. So it's like a one minute thing. Um, what else are my tips and tricks? Can we mm. like buy? What do you do? Well, well, I well, I'm interested to know whether you know, are there any bars on the supermarket shelves, like muesli bar bars, that you would recommend that would would be fine for you? Are they more that sort of? Because I know that collagen bar, or at least I think I do the chief collagen bar. Yeah, maybe. the chief yeah. collagen bar is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, look. I, oh my gosh, in Australia, we have a brand called Carmen's Muesli Bar. It can be, you know, in Muesli Bars, I don't, people usually show up on too much oats and muesli, in my opinion. I think, I think oats is such a default for athletes. And so I'm off, yeah, if they want Muesli Bars, I am, yeah, looking for less added sugar. And I mean, you know, the right ratios for post-training, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm moving them off of cheap supermarket bars, at least into like, like, like the, you know, the ones made by the supermarket. But, um, Oh my gosh, what do I, you know, I'll go for things like, I don't know if you even have bounce balls over there. They're yes. actually, yeah. So again, you know, there's rice malt syrup and some of that, you know, so these are higher carb, but again, if they need that after training, um, I'm a huge fan of nuts and seeds and dried fruit as a, you know, um, if people can't, if they need that high GI carb at that point, um, what other bars? There's like a million bars. I'm always, I'm always in the health food store, the supermarket, standing at those shelves and trying everything. But so much of it tastes like pure plastic. So I know, I know. Um, I tell you yeah. that though. We have, I'm quite. Um, what like, bars do you like? I, well, I see. From from like the 1990s, I started getting into protein powder then. So anything beyond that tastes amazing in that protein realm. So I'm not a very good barometer. Like when people are like, "Does that taste good?" I'm like. Well, I think it does, but you need to ask someone else because I could probably eat almost eat anything. Pure plastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bounce Balls, there's another brand. There's a couple brands that now mimic them that are probably Australian made. And again, Bounce Balls have plant-based ones and whey-based ones. And, and so you've got that, you know, variety for depending on what the person wants. Um those are probably, oh my God, I'm totally missing like five different types no, of bars. No, no, that's I totally recommend. fine. I hand out a lot of recipes for making bars yes. as well. I'm a big, here's about, you know, here's a ball recipe or frittata, you know, like I do a lot of, I'm a really lazy cook. So I never hand over tricky recipes. Like every, I'm like that four to five ingredient cook. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I love it. That's I'm the same. And I love doing things like telling them like it's kids are tricky because they are fussy, you know. Um, but they just have to. I mean, I always encourage them to like try different things. And I'm like, what about cooked sausages? Or what about like meatballs? Or burger patties like can we put these in your yeah. in your lunchbox that go along with the other things that you want to be eating yeah. you know yeah. um, um healthy baked beans like getting a low yes. sugar healthy we have some organic baked beans here that are great um no these are these are great baked potatoes with yes. you know some meat added in um I haven't had that many vegetarian teenagers lately, which is interesting. Ah, that is. So, because that went through a big phase for a while. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of, you know, eggs on the go. Mm. Yeah. And are, focused, you, yeah. are you a protein powder person for your teens? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same. Yeah. I don't, I consider protein powder a food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no, mean, agree. And you get people showing up and they're like, well, I don't know. That's like, and I'm like, it's like a food, right? Yeah. Your body's going to deal with it like a food. It's just going to have digested already. And, yeah, um, you know, as a naturopath, I get nervous with all the whey. So I will use, you know, pea proteins or pea and rice proteins, whey. I will use coll collagen as a new favorite just because I find so many people love it because it has no taste. Yes. Um, I know you don't get as much bang for your buck in muscle growth in research between, you know, whey and collagen, but... If they're gonna have it, that's the, totally, you know, totally. It all counts. That difference, yeah, yeah. They all yeah. Count. like I heard actually. I was um, uh, online. Someone was chatting about collagen because there was, you know, yes, it's lower in leucine, but it's not like that's the only amino acid that we need. Yeah. You know, like we need a full spectrum of that. I um, I'm not sure about you, Kara. I use um, EAAs for my vegetarian or low protein eating 
people too and kids also like it's like raspberry cordial basically the sort of the flavor and that can be a nice um yeah sort of go alongside with with lunches and stuff yeah but yeah no i'm a big protein powder fan just because people have struggled to get in enough you know they really do what are your Mm. favorite brands then Oh gosh. So, um, of protein powders yeah. in Australia, the collagen I'm mainly using is by a company called designs for health. Do you have that over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so it's I lo- through, mm. new, it's a practitioner only one here, but yeah. Yeah. So I think it's sold in some health food stores here. I'm not sure that they're, their head office is like two blocks from where I live as well. So it makes my life easy. So I use theirs or, oh my gosh, there's another really Nutra Organics is another brand that's really easy to get at the health food stores. Um, as far as whey protein goes, oh my gosh, there's so many kinds. I can't even begin to list something. As far as pea protein powder goes, I go for, um, you know, um, New Zest, clean lean protein, um, or, you know, a lot of people raw amazonia raw people show up with they have a lot of different flavors and types so they do uh, yeah. they've got yeah. a massive massive range and and i i mean i'm a fan of new zest here as well and we've got a brand called go good and it's very um and it's got either whey protein whey protein isolate or pea protein so they've got quite a, a range sort of and it's not quite as sweet as some of the other ones which I mean to be fair I've got a sweet tooth though so I mean so I don't do mind I. the sweet so. <laughs> but I know not <laughs> everyone does I'm the same but it's interesting I like I have a 16 year old as well and so I'm always trying to sneak protein powder into stuff <laughs> she picks it in an instant and so basically the only thing I get away with at the moment is collagen oh her. nice and that, that flavorless that flavorless yeah. protein yeah yeah I oh. even bought her some um I bought like a hot, she really loves hot chocolate. So I'm like trying to move her into the, like the healthier, you know, more sports after dinner, hot chocolate. I just got her one the other day and she's like, that's a no, that just tastes like protein powder. Oh, darn. (laughs) We were so here, we, my stepson's 16 as well. And he was brought up as a vegetarian and, um, and his dad was vegetarian for 27 years. But then after when we met and had been together a year, Baz started eating meat, has never looked back. Now I I didn't influence, no, I did influence that, but it wasn't a, you know, yeah. And so, um, but, um, Finley revealed to us the other day, that he's in fact been trying different meats and now he's really all into just trying different meats and I'm like so mate like are you a flexitarian now and he says no no I'm just trying and I'm like yeah but you just ate like two pieces of KFC the other day so is that just trying or is that like eating and uh but I think that his it's less about us actually because you know what teenagers are like they're so influenced by their friends like this will be his friend group influencing him and oh yeah and it would just honestly make my day if he started eating meat because there's a whole heap of nutrition that is left on the floor when a teenager is vegetarian. Exactly. Yes, yes. And I, as I was saying before, I haven't had a lot of those lately. And I'm, you know, it goes through it goes through phases. And if people want to be plant-based, they want to be plant-based. But there's just so much more you have to do to get behind that. And they, ha- you know, like I always say to people that want to be vegetarian athletes, I'm like, that's an extra two hours a day. You're going to have to focus on your food. Um, 
So yeah. And my daughter, after having COVID last year, we both lost all sense of taste and smell for like a month. Oh my gosh. It's a yeah, long it was time. weird actually. Yes. And um, her tastes entirely changed for food after she had COVID. She now wants really different things and she's gone off fatty foods a little bit. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't want as much meat and you don't want as much. So, and, and it's like mentally something in her got a bit off about it. She's not trying to be vegetarian, but I found that I'm like, okay, that's fine. You just have, she was making like poached eggs last night. And, um, and I'm like, that's fine. I'm just going to make this pork belly. Cause I have defrosted it. <laughs> and then of course she's standing over the, Oh, I don't want any of that. That doesn't sound good. You know? And then yeah, of course yeah. she's standing over the little tray, like eating it going, why is pork so good? Pork is so good, you know? So that was, you know, and that's, I think the other thing with teenagers is what they say they do and don't want versus what, when they actually hit hunger, what their body asks for. I'm, I'm finding more so as a trick for parents. I'm like, cook what you know they need to be having. Yeah. Kind of let them have what they say they want. But once you start making those things that, you know, they really need and it's there, they'll walk by and try it or have it. And then they'll go, oh, my body feels so much better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, again, I don't know why I'm talking about my child so much. But anyway, she, she went anemic after having COVID. She had really low iron levels. I'm like, let's try pate. And she's like, that sounds disgusting. She's like, <laughs> why would I want to eat? And I'm like, no, you don't understand how good pate is. She's like a meat spread. You know, if you think about it, it's a meat spread. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. like horrifying for people, right? Liver spread. I don't even know if I said it was liver. I just said meat. <laughs> and, um, and I bought a really good pate. I'm like, just one bite, one bite. She's completely addicted to pate. She's oh, like, amazing. that's the best thing I've ever had in my life. Who invented this? Like, should we go through jars of pate every week now? Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this amazing pate in Australia. I don't know if they sell in New Zealand called Awfully Good. Oh, like nice. off, awfully yes, good. yes, yes, yes. And they make a they make a salmon pate, a chicken pate. They do do a mushroom pate, um, but they make it with um, coconut. Oil. Oh, amazing. It's, yeah, so yeah. it's dairy free for those who can't have dairy. And it's like the best. That's fantastic. I've ever had. We have um, Le Authentique, and I don't never say that right. You can tell because I'm quite slow when I say it. Um, and it is that it's similar. It's got very, it's like either um, butter with the chicken or the duck, um, or they, they also have, I think it's called a Rosetta. Um, and it's just the pork and, oh, pork is another one they do, pork and duck. And then it's got no dairy in that one as well, and it's it is just beautiful. And of course, yes, it's a um, it is a higher end product, but there are people out there that you know, um, that's no problem. I pay twenty dollars <laughs> a tub of pate. I do. <laughs> it's I'm a treat. I'm a bit like the French, you know. If you look at all the stats, you would have read them all of how much money we spend on food yeah. per capita. Yeah. And what the, the French spend something like 52% of their income on food. Oh, wow. Whereas like most, you know, Americans, Canadians, Australians, probably New Zealand, um, we're like down at like 25 or 30. I'm making up that stat right yeah, now. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what we are, but, but it's lower. substantially lower yeah. than the French. I'm like, no, I'm French. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I not, wonder. but I yeah. spend like a French person. I wonder whether um, it's anything to do with the cost of living. Like, because of course here in New Zealand, we pay so much money for housing and, and 
petrol and you know all of that it's I don't uh, know. Yeah. I just think it's priorities I think it was more the paper I saw was just how we prioritize different things yeah. but maybe you're right you know we have to spend a lot more on cars and don't have as good a public transport or I don't know I'm in Sydney so I yeah I'm feeling that cost of living oh I yeah, don't I doubt still, it I'm still spending 50 percent yeah. <laughs> income on yeah. food yeah totally yeah um that's preventative medicine right Nikki yeah no completely actually and on um on food nutrients, any particular nutrients that you see as a um, of concern for for teenage athletes, both like your males, females. You mentioned iron, but that was not related really. But I, yeah, what do you see, Kira? Yeah, so my biggest the things I always worry about would be iron, um, and and even in meat eating teenagers, I want I want to know about that, right? Because it's just gonna they're gonna feel terrible. Um, zinc. Um, huge one just because so, you know, they're trying to build muscle and that horm- their hormone production is going crazy and using up so much of their zinc. So things I focus on are zinc, magnesium, iron, D is a big one I focus on as well, as much as I'm in Australia and everyone's like, oh no, your D levels. You know, there's those people that have the genetic anomalies where they don't synthesize D from the sun or we're, you know, out of the sun so much. Um, what else do I focus a lot on? Those are probably the big ones. The biggest, yeah. Magnesium. And again, magnesium, like next to impossible to test for, but just, you know, making them feel better. You can test for zinc. um, But again, I will, I don't tend to do a lot of blood tests on teenagers. I tend to go off symptom picture and then test if I need to. I mean, iron I will test. Yeah. 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 And, you know, with if it's, is there anything particular with zinc that you look for? Lots of people talk about the little the little white spots on on their nails what what are some of the sort of common things that you might see so i look at immunity how much trouble they're having staying well you know um or how often they're getting sick white spots on nails um i look at what's going on with their taste and sense of smell if there's issues there that's often a sign of some zinc problems um and um for females, I'm looking at periods and PMS and what's happening with their hormones because often zinc, the Bs, especially B6 and magnesium are so needed. I'm basically, yeah, I, I'm i highly likely to hand over zinc B6 magnesium to um, teenage girls um, and acne. Let's let's talk about what teenagers really want health with <laughs> acne. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So watching their skin go crazy and and looking at what they're ingesting and then not ingesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then so from an acne perspective, all that zinc, magnesium, B6, just gonna all be helpful. Help. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of um tablets especially practitioner only, but you can get them, I'm sure, at health food stores as well. There's, yeah, a lot of zinc B6 magnesium tablets leave my clinic a lot. You know, and I originally ordered them for females for, you know, hormones and PMS and things like that. But I find, especially if the parents don't want to do a ton of supplementing, I do love magnesium powders that have, you know, magnesium and some other electrolytes, taurine and, you know, things like that. But um, especially if I'm down to one tablet, for a teen, I would go B6 magnesium zinc combination. Nice. Is it designed for health? Is that your? The, um, oh my God. I, there's like five different companies. Designs for health, Orthoplex or Bioconcepts have one. I'll use Metagenics. I use Bioceuticals. 
I'm probably bioclinic and also um, research nutritionals have a beautiful one or research nutrition over New Zealand. I can never remember which one's which, but yeah, no, I have like, oh, and in Australia, we, and I think you have Biomedica. Mm, I think I've seen it as well. And now yeah. little again, um, practitioner only brand, mm. but Biomedica makes a great, yeah. Okay. Great, great one. Yeah. Literally, yeah. I think all the companies make them. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And, you know, what about how do you approach an athlete who is like wanting to, um, uh, who is overweight, for example, for their sport? And I'll just say it, you know, they, you know, they're... Are we talking teens? Yeah, teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So how do you approach that conversation with them, Kira? Because there's a real, you know, it's obviously it's a, if I say it's a delicate situation. I mean, it's not like it was when we were kids and you could just go on a diet with your mum. You know, <laughs> I didn't, can't do that anymore. So what do we do? No, no. I grew up with a mum that dieted a lot. Too. Oh, same, same here. Um, so um, that's probably why I ended up as a nutritionist. Um, so uh, what do you do? Yeah, I, I still, you know, they come wanting it. So, you know, they're in there asking. So I don't dance around, like, I'm, I'm a pretty blunt person in dealing with it, but I'm definitely going to check where we're at on the scale of eating disorder or issues or fears around food. So I'm going to have a really good look at that and conversation with them about it um, rather than not have that conversation. Cause I want to know where my safety levels are with, with a client. And I think that I think, and I, I say this to my students that I teach at university you know they get so scared when someone comes in and men mentions an eating disorder and again it's out of my scope of practice if there's a severe eating disorder and sending them on and lots of great psychologists but you know my students get so scared about it and I'm like no talk to them about it they need to talk about it and and you need to know I'm very big on where their boundaries are around stuff so I have those conversations rather than pretending they don't exist because I think it makes it worse. Um, so eating disorder aside, if I know someone's not at that issue, um, what do I do with weight loss? Was that the question? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you approach it with a teen versus how you might do it with an adult? Any difference really or not really? I am. My big thing with probably with everybody is really making sure they're getting their nutrients and their macros correct around training because there's so much, especially if we're talking teenage girls, there's so much carb phobia that often they're not having enough carb for their training. Um, and so I do a thing, I guess I do this with adults as well around teaching. I'm a huge fan of teaching them a little bit of exercise physiology so they understand when their body is using different macronutrients because they don't get that. They don't understand it. And they're, they're all trying to do fasted training or, you know, and you're like, hey, just have that little bit of carb before training. You might actually train harder. And, and I go, my big thing is post-training eating window in the right ratio for whatever sport they're doing you know, and letting them feel safe around when to eat more starchy carbs versus when to, you know, dropping those at other meals. I have a huge focus on protein and making sure they're hitting. So I guess eating around training, protein, making sure they're hitting those protein amounts are probably my two biggest things. And I'm a huge fan of macro tracking if they're comfortable to do it. Yeah, nice. Right. And if, 
you know, whether it's a handwritten food diary or using an app, um, do I need them to weigh and measure everything? No, only if they're curious um, and we think it's not going to be a trigger or a problem. But I'm a huge fan of a food diary because so many of us don't really realize what we're eating. So just that I look at aware. Yeah. Yeah. Eating around training, protein, awareness. Yeah. And not eating shitty snacks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like far out. They eat so well or they under eat during the day. Yeah. Really looking at meal sizes as well and making sure they're getting the, the right size meal at the right time. Because so many teenage girls would try to eat so little all day. And then they're like, you know, facing the fridge all night. No, that's totally. Not help. Yeah, yeah, and a lot what of adults do you do, do that too. Teeth? I'm yeah. curious. Yeah, though, similar to you. Like I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm big around that um, focus around training nutrition and then taking out macros or changing things later in the later in the day for them. And I don't. And food diary is. Um, something I use some of the time, not all the time though, no, to be yeah. honest. No, no, it's not yeah. all the time for me either. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the person. Yeah, totally, totally on the person. Um, and and then trying to just give them good, because I mean, if they're filled with adequate protein, carbohydrate when they need it, they're not going to be so um, sort of obsessed and food focused and want to be eating all the rubbish snacks that are sort of contributing a lot of calories, but not necessarily nutrition. Yeah. And I think also I get with teenagers when they do want to have a treat, what is there, what can I go and have that's going to make me feel, you know, I can have a small amount of that's not going to throw everything out of it. But yeah. Um, what is your what is your ratios after training? You like a four to one ratio person, or no? I'm. I think that works for men. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and again, we don't have this research, but I don't know many females that can handle a four to one ratio. I would go. You know, if it's aerobic sport, I am looking at that a three to one ratio. If it's weight loss, again, it depends how many hours they're training. Um, you know, more strength training or weight loss could could dip down to a two to one ratio, you know, but really making sure, you know, but post-training is that beautiful time to have your carbs. And so that's probably my biggest focus is like, this is this, and I know some people don't like these words, but it's a safe time to have your carbs. Like you can, you know, and you don't, it, it, and then they start eating it and realize how much better they feel. And then they start letting go of that guilt yeah, right. th- absolutely. And also, and so for just for the listener, the um, two to one is two carbs, one protein rather than, you know, the other way around. That's what we yes. were referring to. Um, <laughs> glad I got that right as well. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I no, no. Carbs good. first. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a four to one protein to carbs. I know, but that's so standard, right? That's like a, that's a thing that people are, are sort of recommended. And, and actually the, the great thing is as well is that when you have your carbs after training, you have a lot more energy. So your ability to expend energy just in that non-exercise activity is just so much better. Like people underestimate how lazy they can be. This is actually not just related to teenagers. This is sort of everyone. No, this is everybody. Yeah, yeah. When they go hard balls to the wall training in the morning and then they're exhausted on the couch for the rest of the day. Like that is not optimal. Well, and it's because they haven't eaten properly, right? That's the biggest thing with I find with every athlete is that beautiful window where they're metabolically, their body wants to make more glycogen, their cells are responsive to insulin. Like it's you've got that gorgeous space where you can so safely eat and then you're going to feel great for the rest of the day. Like I would say, and again, I can't say this in research, but 
people's energy levels will skyrocket if they just ate properly after training. And then they're also, when they don't eat properly after training, that's when their brain's all pissed off. It hasn't had any carbs or it just hasn't had the right fuel. And so it turns up your hunger for incorrect foods or your caffeine or your, you're just trying to play catch up all day if you don't eat right after training. That's probably the biggest thing I tell people for 30 years. Yeah. It's and, funny how, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, of course, for teenagers who don't have, you know, a fully developed prefrontal cortex, you know, if you've got some grumpy, angry teenager, like their moods will be so improved if they dial in this, this stuff. In and, and actually, I say in and around training, but actually just in general for their diet, you know, like makes such a difference. It is so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So, Kira. See that we both live with a 16 year old. Yes. I know. <laughs> now, Kira, I'm really curious um, to know if you. Um, uh, so, I deal a lot with parents who, who are in a fat loss program, you know, like the, the, the program itself is a, you know, it's a meal plan and we've got set guidelines. And, and whilst the meals in the, on a day where they're not, so I do protein sparing fasting with them. So, on a day that's not PSMF, um, the meals are super family friendly and you couldn't look at the meal and go well that's a weight loss meal because that's not how I do my food um but of course on the other days the parent is just eating a particular food and it is going to differ to what the family is doing and how do you talk to parents about talking to their kids about their own sort of health goal and health journey because this comes up a lot like how do I explain to my 16 year old daughter that I am on a diet it's a great question but I have to tell you that hasn't come up for me and I don't know, but, but with that said, it hasn't come up for me with clients, but maybe for myself, I could say not that I'm ever on a diet, but I'm the type who has to try things all the time. I'm that nutritionist. That's like, Oh, keto is all the rage. I got to put myself on ketogenic cause I need to see what it feels like. Or, uh, you know, intermittent fasting. I've probably tried every style of intermittent fasting to see what it feels like. Because I don't want to talk to anyone about anything unless I've done it. So I've just been really open with my daughter about, hey, I'm trying this. I don't, you know, and explaining what I'm doing. I just think, I just think it's okay for, mm, yeah, it's tricky, Mickey, I I just think being honest with people, like if if you have a parent that's overweight, that's trying to do something for their longevity and their health, shouldn't we be just be honest and be supporting them about that? Nice. And I, I'm, again, like now that you know me a bit better, I'm just this blunt person that, you know, I think we got to give them credit for understanding what we're doing as adults but we need to explain it rather than pretend we're not doing it and then eat all these bizarre meals away from them. I just think we need to be honest about it because doesn't someone who's overweight that wants to do something about it, don't they have the right to tell people that's what they're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I totally love that, Kira, you know, and, and, and also the, the idea that, you know, they want to be around, they want to be healthy and fit and capable and confident in 10, 20, 30 years time when their kids have kids and they want to be their sort of live their best lives then. And I think that's something that you can, you know, have the conversation if it comes up or whatever 
with your children yeah. about? I mean, I, I'm going to get myself into a controversial topic here. Oh, great. I love body positive. Did you just say good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love body positivity and I love, Lara Bride and I were talking about this the other day when we were hiking together. Um I love that whole movement because we are all different sizes and shapes and we're not all supposed to look like Instagram and Instagram filters. And, you know, yeah, if you have a parent dieting just for, oh my God, I want to be as skinny as possible. That's a different situation versus, you know, trying to be a healthy weight. But I, I think, oh my God, where was I going with this? That was a bit controversial. Uh, sometimes I read blogs or I read people's recommendations and I get if you've worked solely with eating, you know, we have that terrible borderline of eating disorder or not, or, you know, when there's sliding scale of where people at is frightening, but there's this whole movement around don't talk about your body. Don't talk about your body in front of your kids. Don't yeah, I agree. Don't criticize your body in front of your kids. Don't always talk about how fat you are in front of your kids or like, I'm not saying anybody's fat, but I'm, you know, no, you I know read exactly those things about that. Yeah. I, and, and I get where that's all coming from, but I also think, but your kids are all exposed to social media and they see it. So isn't it safer to have conversations about body type or body fat and health I just think, you know, I hear these whole things about don't talk about any of that with your kids. And I'm like, mm, no, because that's not giving them reality what they're going to face in the world. Let's open the, I'm much more about opening the conversation safely. Yeah, for sure. And, and my daughter and I, well, and again, this is me or talking to, uh, uh, you know, clients. I, I hate the idea of ignoring that elephant in the room. I hate it because we need to prepare kids and teens for what's actually out there versus, yeah, not speaking about it. I don't know. How do you feel? No, that? no, I feel exactly the same. And I've, and we've had a, I've had a few conversations with people about that. There's this sort of, it's, it's, and I, I did actually see something in the paper about body positivity versus body neutrality. You know, what is it? How should you feel about your body? Is it okay not to actually like your body, but actually just like yourself? Like, you know, it's that, and I think some in that body positivity space, people equate not being happy with how you look with with uh, not being he happy or not valuing yourself. And that they're different. They're different things, they're and different it's things. it's almost been conflated to be that. So therefore, we must all be sort of body positive. And then, of course, it's the health aspect. And I and as practitioners, and I and I think anyone that you will talk to in our space or at least anyone I've talked to in our space has been very much on the same page is that you cannot ignore that um that there are a certain you know there are certainly people who who may well be metabolically healthy and carry excess body fat yeah absolutely but but actually there is probably more people who are, do not fall into that camp you know and, yeah. and and but also you cannot just use excess body fat as a marker for that metabolic health I no, think. No absolutely not yeah. and again you fall into body types and we're all different yes. body types and some body types are going to carry five percent more body fat than other body types and you know I hate BMIs if we want to get to that BMIs just oh my god. Yeah you know, I know I know it's so meaningless right? Yeah it's meaningless unless you're of average height and probably of a Caucasian background and, yes. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. Even sort men. Of, yeah. Yeah. No, I hear um, you. But yeah, I you know, I worry 
Mm. I worry in both directions. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. I, you know, and I get how careful we have to be, but I'm also, I'm a fan of the truth. And if they're starting to be a problem, I'm not, I'm not talking about, oh my God, someone's getting a little bit overweight, have a go at a kid. Like that would never in a million years. But I also think conversations need to occur around how staying fit. Yes staying active and healthy. You know, the stats on especially girls dropping out in sport Mm. after the age of 10 are Mm -hmm. astronomical. I know. Um, And sport is the number one thing to make someone feel good about their body, right? And then you do more sport and you actually, again, eating feels, you know, trying to say it without being controversial in my wording here, you know, the more sport you do, as you know, you know, when you're running ultras or when I was eating Ironman, I, I, you know, when I was running Ironman, not eating, um, I was eating five meals a day. I was like, this yeah. is expensive. This is the first <laughs> time in my life. Yeah, I'm like, I now get what all the guys are saying that, you know, can't keep weight on. Yeah, yeah. You know, sport is so, you know, it's great. sport's good for everything. So, yeah, I, yeah, I guess sport is another thing I guess I talk to teenagers about. And making sure they're getting enough because we so drop that ball for a lot of people, especially with weight loss. So weight loss in teens, I'm really, as much as we're sports nutritionists and we're working with athletes, then there's also when they quit their sports and what's happened or during COVID and no one's moving. and mm, For sure. So, yeah. 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 Mm. No, I love that, Kira. And with your, um, oh, I'm so I've, I've got a, I've got a funny. I've got a couple of questions that are so unrelated to teenage nutrition as well. Um, but hey, we've I, sort of been a I little bit non-teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. So, well, actually, no. My first question is up and go, yay or nay? Oh, there's so much better out there. <laughs> yeah, there like, is, eh? You, you have to remember I'm a naturopath to begin with. And just to make a joke about us, everyone says we take everybody off of wheat and dairy. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. not quite true, but there are so many better things to grab. I get if you're absolutely stuck. Um, I get that there's higher protein ones now, but wheat and dairy are such default foods for everybody. Please try to find something else. Make your own smoothie. Make, you know, I just, Okay, yeah. no, I know, I love it. Um, I will, I tell you this funny story. And um, you, like, not that you would approve or disapprove. Anyway, I was at the meta conference in like late late last year I can't remember and um I walked into the um the post-lunch and we were just um coming in from lunch and everyone had like the leftover dessert or whatever they were eating like sugar and yeah. I walk in with a Pepsi Max I've got so many looks so hilarious eh? and I'm like I'm like oh of course it's this conference you know because you know I go to other conferences metabolic health summits and stuff where in low-carb ones where it's fine but and I I went for so many years not having a Pepsi Max because of the artificial sweetener but because I was so addicted but I've definitely more like I I include it now I mean I enjoy it um but yeah yeah, it's quite funny I did get walking in that's basically a naturopathic conference I know I know (laughs) it's like walking in with a McDonald's bag I know. Oh, no, I didn't like even that. think I will not do that again. Um, those are great conferences, though. But, yeah. But I will... You know, I lecture at university in naturopathy and nutrition, and it's hilarious because I always make a joke. The first year everyone's studying, 
everyone only brings like perfect, perfect <laughs> meals and like yeah. these amazing salads and these things that probably take hours to make that I don't have the time for. And, you know, over the years, because it takes most people four years to do that degree, by the last year, they're still coming in with amazing meals, but so much, they're so much looser around what they're eating and a lot more chocolate gets brought in or I've seen a few yeah. Yeah. Sodas pop in. And, and, but yeah, no, that, I, yeah, that is funny. So, um, so Kira, maybe you're just a stirrer. Maybe I am. Maybe actually, actually. Yeah. Um, so tell me, um, what's your favorite food meal? Oh my God. My, Do you have one? Oh yeah. I have lots of favorite food. Oh my God. Now I have to, now I'm on the spot though. Uh, some of my favorite food. Oh my God, I've gone blank. What do I eat every day of my life? I do love salads, let's be honest, but I'm a huge salad dressing person. (laughs) I'm going to admit this. I make a lot of my own dressings, but um, salad with an awesome dressing. Other favorite foods. Hmm. We want good and bad. Yeah, yeah. What's your what's your favorite <laughs> non like if you were to walk in non nutritional yeah. food is actually white chocolate. Ah, I love it. Like really high quality, like lint or um, um. I when I'm in New Zealand, I might buy a lot of Whitakers. Oh white yeah, chocolate. Yeah, yeah, love it. White chocolate, just I love fatty food let's okay I'll get that out there like I love pork belly I love um something about I've always loved yeah salmon meat meat fat I'm actually allergic to fish so no salmon it's a it's a devastating but no fish for me yeah 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 yeah. I'm actually a celiac and allergic to fish so it's it's a nightmare when I come over that's right um what else do I love my favorite vegetable would be, hmm, that's really hard. Sweet potato. Sweet potato. Okay. And what about wine or beer or no? And that would be Prosecco. Ah, love it. And my latest thing is Aperol Spritz. Yes. Oh, yes. my God. I could have, because I love Prosecco over Champagne. It's not as yeasty. And then the bitters of the Aperol Spritz. Yeah. But I'm not a drinking is a take it or leave it oh what a favorite food coffee oh <laughs> that's not food though is it yeah well when if, you combine it with chocolate it's quite like almost if an i had to pick meal. between alcohol or coffee mm. and i could only have one for mm. the rest of my life i would go coffee yeah that's you know i appreciate that um yeah. I can't tell you what I would do, actually. I would probably do. Oh, right. I, it's interesting. As I'm sitting oh, it's here not going, even a millisecond of a decision for me. It would <laughs> always be coffee. Alcohol is kind of a take it or leave it for me. Yeah. Yeah, I have my husband to thank for sort of getting me more interested in craft beer and and and, and the like. Um, I would love to do craft beer, but again, I can't. I can't celiac, of course, so, the celiac, the celiac. Yeah, and my, my husband's family had a winery for a while. Oh, wow. So, I, you know, I got good wine around. I do love a good wine, but... I don't know, the older I get, the less taste I have for alcohol, which is probably a good thing because I tell you what, that is, if we're talking about treating people in their 40s and 50s, weight loss. Oh, yeah. I'm vicious with alcohol and weight loss, yeah, actually, if yeah. you want my alcohol. Well, that's interesting. Thing, I think weight loss thing. we're probably going to have to have another conversation about something like that sometime in the future, <laughs> in the future, Kira. Um, now, look, just to finish up, I understand you are writing an ebook on teenage and sports nutrition. 
Um, and I also know that you have you have sort of uh, uh, organized a seminar with Lara later in the year or a mm. webinar. I'm sorry. Webinar. Um, so can you give us any details on either of those plus any other speaking engagements or, or ways to find oh, sure. you? So um, what do I have coming up? I am lecturing for Health Masters Live. Do you ever do any of their stuff? No, oh, right. amazing. The owner actually lives in New, is, lives in New, New Zealand. Oh. It's like a big online um, educational, you know, CPE points, educational Health Masters Live. I've got something this week actually on um, intermittent fasting and in women which is really interesting. And um, although there's almost no research on it, but that's part of what the lecture is. Um, there's, um, what else do I have coming on? Um, Laura and I are doing, so we we used to lecture a lot around Australia together and a little bit in New Zealand. And when COVID hit, we couldn't do that. So we started doing webinars online. So we have two webinars that we've done over the last two years. Um on you know kind of well on women and she brings in the women stuff and I bring in the sports nutrition stuff nice. she does hormones so this year is on teenage teenage and into your early 20s so menstrual health teenage health I'm bringing in the sports nutrition but we're also bringing it in for guys oh amazing like we're we're going to talk about teen guys um both hormone health and and sport um, which will be really fun. Yeah. So, um, and probably ebook won't be ready until then either. So that's actually October. That's, that's our big, big thing. I don't know what else I'm doing. I, you know, I'm just ticking along, seeing clients. And, yeah. Yeah. There's always, I can't think of other lectures I got coming up. Um, do you have Vitally over there? I don't think you do. Vitally. No, no. No. We have, a, for practitioners in Australia, we have this massive business now that's, um, where we can order so we don't have to carry a lot of stock. They, It's like an online dispensary, and they do lectures. I've got a big lecture for them coming up on menopause in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Well, I feel like, um, Kira, I could talk to you for hours. Um, and I would love to chat to you sometime in the future about intermittent fasting in women, just, and just because I actually had that down as something I was interested to know your thoughts on. But I do think that it's a wider discussion for, it is wider for discussion. another day. So um, thank you. And I'll know a lot more in a week. Exactly. So, <laughs> I finished reading all my research. Oh, fantastic. So if you can just let us know where we can find you online and uh, yeah, and I'll also link to your, um, your webinars that you did with um, Lara and of course your website and stuff. Yeah. So um, all of that is actually and the other podcast I've been on and this podcast will be on my website um, is just kirasutherland.com.au. Um, and then on socials, my business is, my business name is Uber Health, U-B-E-R-H-E-A-L-T-H, one word. And just to clarify, that's been my business name for 22 years before other businesses existed with that name. Do you know, oh, I've only it's just It's not put... a hip name recently. I swear <laughs> it was a hip name when I made it up. <laughs> that is fantastic. Kira, thanks so much for your time. Oh my God, that was awesome. We could go for hours. I it's know. Dangerous. I know. Okay, I don't doubt that you enjoyed that conversation and got a lot of 
hopefully really practical stuff from Kara. She is amazing and is just so experienced in this space. And I'm really looking forward to her releasing her book at some time, hopefully this year, all about this topic because it's one that she's really super passionate about. Okay, so next week on the podcast, I speak to Ray Zab, who is an expedition leader, ultra endurance runner, cancer survivor, all about, well, basically his life, really. He's such an amazing and inspiration person, Canadian. Can't wait to share that with you. Also, registration for Monday's Matter opens this week, Thursday. So um, if you are looking to head into winter feeling strong, fit, capable, lean, awesome, and in control of your food and your training, jump on the Monday's Matter in May program. We kick off end of May. So you've got a little bit of time to register, but not that much. And uh, get yourself sorted over the winter period. All right, team, if you've got any questions on any of this, you can catch me over on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, over on Instagram and Twitter at Mickey Willardin, or head to my website, it has just been updated, mickeywillardin.com, where you can sign up to Monday's Matter or book a one-on-one call with me, and amongst other things. Read my blog, you know, do the thing, over on mickeywillardin.com. All right, guys, you have a great week.